Good morning and welcome to our City Builders online service. To our members and those that have been watching uh, recent weeks, it's great to have you back. Uh, it's wonderful to have you with us. And a very special hello to those that are joining us for the very first time this morning. Once again, welcome to all in Jesus' name. Uh, this morning I'm going to open up a very important subject as the season of Pentecost approaches. Uh, the title of the message is The Power and Purpose of Pentecost, Part 1. In the Hebrew year, we're about ready to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. It always takes place 50 days after Passover. The last Passover that we've just been through is very significant to Christians all over the world because it is the very first time the church globally has been in lockdown since the original Passover over 3,300 years ago. In the hearts of Christian people worldwide, there is also a raised expectation that something new is about ready to break out this Pentecost. In this season, there are challenges globally, but there is also an increased anticipation or expectation that God is about to do something entirely new and something of great significance. So this year and by now, we should uh, have a much clearer idea of what Passover means and its incredible relevance and importance to us now. Pentecost is also known as the Hebrew Feast of Shavuot. Shavuot means weeks and it marks the conclusion of the counting of the Omer, a series of daily blessings that begins during Passover and represents spiritual preparation and anticipation uh, looking towards the handing down of the Torah, the law. In the celebration of Pentecost, there is also a connection to first fruits and harvest. Following the outpouring in the upper room on the first fruits company, the 120, an incredible harvest of souls followed. Around 3,000 people were added to their number that day. Right at this very moment, it is a fact that many Christians, Messianic and even Orthodox Jews have a heightened expectation that God is about to do something unusual. This is where it is so important that we, like the sons of Isaac, have an understanding of the times and that we know what to do. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. Spiritual seasons are first picked up in our spirit and then they must be entered into by faith. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, the disciples of Jesus were gathered in the upper room with a different kind of expectation and most likely were beginning to connect some dots that they couldn't before. Jesus had become their Passover lamb. Through his sinless life, the just requirement of the law had now been fulfilled. Now, they were anticipating not the handing down of the law, but the promise of the Holy Spirit. Following this outpouring in the upper room, as I said, 3,000 souls were added to them that day. But in this year, 2020, 
we have entered into an incredible new season in God. He is about to pour out his spirit, not only on the first fruits, the 120, but the remnant church that has been returning to the upper room. An incredible harvest throughout the nations is to follow. Prophetic people right across the globe are declaring it one way or another. And there is a steady theme right throughout the word of seed time and harvest time. Uh, one, Psalm 126 springs to mind that says, Those that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And I believe this is the season that we are in. For this reason, Pentecost is a very important time in the church calendar. But particularly this Pentecost, the expectation is much, much higher with an incredible sense that something is about to happen. The anticipation, the faith is growing in the global church amongst the Jewish people, especially the Messianic Christians, and, and even amongst the Arab people. I'd like to pray this morning before we go any further. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day and this incredible new season that we have entered into. I pray that hearts and minds would be open to receive all that you have for them, especially during this Pentecost period. I pray especially this morning for a strong impartation of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be opened and that we would know in our hearts the incredible hope of the calling and what you have called us to. We pray, Father, that you would give us an understanding of the times, that we would be able to enter into the fullness of this season by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. The purpose and the power of Pentecost. So if you've been tuning into our online services, you would be beginning to understand that we are really living in the times and seasons of God. To do what needs to be done, we must not only have a sprinkling of the Holy Spirit, but we must be truly baptised with the Holy Spirit and in fire. When we return to normal, we want to return to a different new normal. For the world, the world does not know what the new normal is going to look like. We just have to wait our time and wait for things to unfold. But with the church, we have this strong sense as we approach Pentecost that something is going to happen. And he's going to pour his spirit out on the church in a new way. Now, we don't know exactly what that looks like. And we, and we have to go through the season and look to God so that we can begin to have understanding. But my expectation is that when the church is open to the world again, there will be a new normal for the church. In the past, going to church is being normal. But in the future, being the church is the new normal. You know, going to church and going through a religious routine has been the normal. But when the new normal comes, the church will be empowered by the Spirit to reach the world. Something is going to happen. And uh, to start with this morning, I want to talk about this. We really need to understand, honour, value and partner with the person of the Holy Spirit. 
Because when it comes to Pentecost in the New Testament, you cannot separate Pentecost from the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not an energy. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling in the room that gives you goosebumps on the back of your neck. Although the Holy Spirit may cause all these things. The Holy Spirit is indisputably the third person of the Trinity. The third person of the Godhead. And if you know the Apostles' Creed, you will see it there in the first few lines. That the Holy Spirit is God. He is equally God with Jesus and equally God with God the Father. He is in fact God, the Holy Spirit. Today he is uh, at work in the church, invisibly, but you can see him at work. And he is at work in the lives of believers to bring them to holiness. And much, much, much more. But see, the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring believers to holiness and hence his name, the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit to a fair degree has been diminished in the modern church. And for that reason, the church throughout the nations must have a new Pentecost. Because of a lack of understanding, the Holy Spirit has been replaced in church by human strategies. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how we have survived 2,000 years as the church on earth with a diminished um, understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. But we have turned to other strategies. And, you know, it is the social work and all that's good. And it is the friendship and it is the coffee after church and it is the sausage sizzles. And all these things are a necessary point of church life. But when it comes to church, the Holy Spirit must take a lead role in our proceedings. And particularly in the church in the Western world, the Holy Spirit has been moved to the side. But now we are in a season where God is going to do something new. Over the last couple of weeks, I've read from Revelation chapter 12, uh, sorry, chapter 3, verse 20. And I just want to go there quickly and read this verse to you. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I also have been speaking over the last two weeks about the grace to overcome. And it says here, to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I have also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. Now this is talking about Jesus, right? But if you look at the next verse, we cannot separate Jesus from his Holy Spirit, although they are separate people. Because it says in verse 20, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So in this era, the way that God speaks to the, uh, the church, the way that Jesus speaks to the church is through the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. We cannot 
allow in church life the Holy Spirit to be pushed to the back seat. He must take a lead role in what is happening. So, the critical importance of the Holy Spirit must be understood. The fact is that with regard to the purposes of God and the kingdom of God on earth, nothing happens without the Holy Spirit. Right from the very beginning in the scriptures, you see the involvement of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, In the beginning, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth. God was right there in the very beginning. The Spirit of God uh, contributed in a major way in partnership with Jesus and in partnership with our Heavenly Father in the creation of the heavens of the earth. The Spirit of God hovered, hovered over the face of the earth. Do you know when, God, when the Spirit of God is hovering, get ready for a miracle. Anything could happen. You know, and, and uh, right now I believe that God is hovering over our church, that he is hovering over our region. And even this nation of Australia, the spirit of the Lord is hovering and he is waiting for the church to arise and take its place so that great things can begin to happen. So in the beginning, right at the very start, the spirit of the Lord was at work. We see the Spirit of the Lord at work again in Genesis chapter 1, 26, where uh, God said, let us make man in our own image. This is very interesting because God said, let us make man. There was more than one. Otherwise, he wouldn't be saying, let us make man. There was actually God the Father, there was Jesus, and there was the Holy Spirit partnering together to make man in his own image. And he made man, male and female, he made them. So this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Nothing happens without the Holy Spirit. Right throughout the Old Testament accounts, there are endless uh, records of the Holy Spirit's work. And I just want to talk about a couple of them. Uh, one of them, a very important one, is in uh, Genesis chapter 18, uh, involving Abraham. And it says, Then the Lord appeared to him uh, by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted up his eyes, and behold, three men were standing by him. You see this? It's very interesting. There was not one man, there was not two men, but there were three men. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found favour in your sight, do not pass by your servant. So here God is about, he's already given Abraham a promise that he would be a father of many nations. And Abraham is gone and, and uh, he has is, he is, uh, created his own son of the flesh, known as Ishmael. But now God is following through on his promise and the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit turn up at Abraham's door to fulfill the promise that had been made. It's quite extraordinary. Um, 
So going down a little bit further, down to verse 9, Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. This was the fulfillment of the promise that, Abraham, that God had made to Abraham beforehand. Now this is amazing because what happened here, if you read on, Sarah literally laughed. Because she thought, how can a woman in her old age give birth to a son? And when Isaac was born, he was, he was given the name Isaac, which actually means laughter. But you see that nothing could happen here without the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want us to all understand this morning how important, because I believe that we have reduced in many ways the Holy Spirit to being a feeling in the room or an energy, but it, that is not the case. The Holy Spirit is in fact God the Holy Spirit and he is equal with the Father in heaven and he is equal with Jesus it's amazing how they work together. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. And Jesus always points to the Father and they work together in perfect unity. So we see this miraculous work in Abraham's and Sarah's old age. And you know, you find that when things are impossible in life and you are looking for a miracle then if the Holy Spirit is involved, something can begin to happen. Another uh, account in the Old Testament is the anointing of the shepherd boy David to be king. And this is in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Then Jesse made Shemar by. This is going down into verse 9. Then Jesse made Shemar pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has, has not chosen any of these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for will he not sit down till he comes for, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and he brought him in. He, now he was ruddy with the bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said to Samuel, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. This is amazing, you know, because Israel had looked for a king and they selected their own king. But we know that Saul was not the ideal leader. He, he was more self-centered than God-centered. And this led to the downfall of Saul. 
But in the midst of national decline, God is doing something in the background. And we've been talking about this over the last couple of months. And, and while God is working in the background, there is a boy by the name of Daniel, 17 years old, who is looking after the sheep and serving his big brothers. But God has picked him. And he, he is now saying to Samuel, go and anoint the boy because this is my choice. I think this is great because God always seems to choose the unlikely. And when Samuel came in here, seven brothers went by. You know, but, there, but he says there must be someone else. And it's a 17-year-old boy, a young boy. You know, how many 17-year-olds these days are really locked onto their future, really locked onto God? But this young boy was. Something was going on in his heart. Now, when Samuel poured the horn of oil over David, something supernatural happened because the Bible says from that day the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. You know, it is quite a story when you read through it because also from that day, the enemy, the Philistines knew. Saul began to react to David. And, and you know, this is very important because when the, the governmental anointing comes upon an individual or a church or a leader, it seems to attract the action or reaction of the spirit world. So moving on now to the New Testament, one of the greatest miracles, the incarnation of Jesus. Uh, it's in Luke chapter 34 where the angel comes and announces to Mary that she is going to conceive a son. And she says, well, how on earth can this be? This is impossible. I've never been with anyone. It's just impossible. Nevertheless, let it be done according to your word. And the Holy Spirit uh, says to Mary, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is, will be born will be the Son of God. You see, the conception in Mary's womb could not have happened without the Holy Spirit. So, so if you look through this theme right throughout the Old Testament, Everywhere where God shows up in kingdom-related issues, the Holy Spirit is at work. Incredible. So the purpose of Pentecost is what we're talking about, the purpose and the power of Pentecost. And I want to say uh, this to you this morning, that the purpose of Pentecost was never about tongues. Uh, the, the charismatic movement have made it all about tongues and you know I know that uh, I am to a degree a son of the charismatic movement but God has taken me further and I've begun to understand that it is far far greater than the gift of tongues although that is a very very important gift a legitimate gift that is given to the church that helps them to enter into the things of God to a far greater degree so the purpose of Pentecost is not about tongues, but it is all about the government of God. It is all about what God is opening up. It is all about where God is taking the church. And God is empowering his church 
for a purpose. I just wanted to say to you this morning, get ready for the action. Because something is about ready to happen globally. Look, I would not know exactly what is going to happen during this feast of Pentecost, but I can tell you that the church is going to step up significantly. Some of the prophets in the nations have been prophesying a literal Pentecost. I don't know about that. All I do know that a greater dimension of God's Spirit is being released to the church in this hour. I look back on the last two months of what has happened in our own church and, you know, we haven't been able to come to the stables and have our service as usual. Uh, we've done most of our stuff online, but God is moving. More people have been turning up to prayer meetings online and more people have been joining our church in the last two months than have been in the last 12 months. It is amazing what God is doing. Never doubt God. Sometimes when you've got your back against your wall, when uh, there's stress, when there's pressure and there is a real need of God, our hearts become focused on God and God begins to pour out something new on the church. So all I know is that this Pentecost is one that is set in the mind and heart of God it is in the times and seasons of God and God is going to do something very, very special. I believe that the church is going to emerge from the, this time of lockdown to a new normal. And I believe that will be what we call the church of the living God, the church unusual, the church that is, uh, is, has the dynamic of the Holy Spirit the church that has the power to transform lives. This is what the purpose of Pentecost is all about. So moving on, you so that we can fully understand this, we must first understand the purpose of the appearance or the manifestation of Jesus. And in 1 John chapter 3, 8, it says, For this purpose was the Son of God made manifest that he might destroy the work of the evil one. This is why Jesus came into the earth, to destroy the work. You know, uh, we talked, I think, last week about the kingdom of darkness. And I'll just touch that on that a, a bit more in a moment. But the kingdom of darkness, every kingdom affects its subjects. Do you know that? If you've got righteous rulers, the Bible says that the people rejoice. And you know, Jesus, he was sent into the earth for a purpose, and it was to destroy the work and to set the people who were under the rule of the evil one to set them free. I want to give this some, uh, you know, some words which might help you understand exactly what happened when Jesus came into the earth. Firstly, his appearance was a divine attack on society. And that is what really is going to happen when we move past the, uh, the, the time of Pentecost because God is going to do it again. It's a divine attack on society. When Jesus came into the earth, it was like a supernatural intervention from above because this was no ordinary world uh, or no ordinary man. It was a divine attack on the spirit world. So that's very clear that when Jesus came, there was a clash of kingdoms. 
And the Bible says that, you know, it talks about the kingdom of darkness. And there is a kingdom of darkness. And you see people in this world who are lost and are subjects of the kingdom of, of darkness. But there is also the kingdom of light or the kingdom of his dear son. It calls it in Colossians chapter 1. And we are like in the middle. But what happens is the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and he begins to reveal to us the kingdom of light. He begins to show us that there is a better way. He begins to show us that maybe there is really a God in heaven. He begins to show us that maybe there are really answers for our problems. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit has done his work in us, he is able to deliver us from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And this is very amazing. This is what happened to me, and it is what's happened to many, many people. So for this purpose was the Son of God made manifest, that he might destroy the evil works or the works of the evil one. You know, you don't have to go far to see the work of the evil one. Sickness, poverty, depression, anxiety, broken families. These are the works of the evil one. But Jesus, when he came, he bought another kingdom. He represents another kingdom. And there is often a clash of kingdoms, light and darkness. But moving on in uh, Colossians, I think, into chapter 2, Jesus totally succeeded on his mission. It says that he disarmed principalities and powers. Now, I'll tell you what principalities and powers are. They are the spirit rulers over cities, regions, over lives, over people, over governments, over nations. But it says he disarmed principalities and powers, making a public spectacle over them, triumphing in it. In other words, when the devil uh, bought Jesus and had him nailed to the cross, he thought it's all over Jesus. But do you know what Jesus did? He defeated the last enemy, death, by rising from the dead. How good is this? And this is the work of the great Holy Spirit. Do you see how we've diminished the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst? And now the Bible says if you have the same spirit, that raised Christ from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies. You know, he's at work on the inside. And this is wonderful. The Holy Spirit is the game changer. There were no manifestations of power by Jesus until he was baptised at the Jordan. This is a, a, a little bit of... This will clearly give you... You know, this week and over the next couple of weeks, it'll give you a really great understanding of what really is the, the purpose and what is the power of Pentecost. So Jesus lived his, th his first 30 years as an innocent man, as a, as a perfect man. And then in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, this is what happened. When all the people were baptised, John was down there baptising people at the Jordan. When all the people were baptised, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptised. 
And while he prayed, the heavens was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Something happened here. 30 years living as God made man. But here, this was a download from the Father in heaven right into the very being of Jesus. The Bible says that the heavens opened, there was a voice. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was the Son of God. But now something is happening. The Holy Spirit is being downloaded by the Father into the very being of Jesus. And at that point, everything changed for Jesus. The next thing that happens is that, uh, or just before I go on, this is a download from the Father in heaven right into the very being of Jesus. And now Colossians chapter 2.19 says this, that in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So we have Jesus, we have God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit represented in the person of Jesus. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in him in his fullness. There was a validation from heaven but also an anointing for service at the Jordan River. And this is, is amazing because if you go back into the Old Testament, where I read before 1 Samuel chapter 16, where Samuel came to the house of Jesse, anointed David to be king, and from that day the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. When the anointing begins to come on a person, there is a reaction in the spirit world. And right from that day, David had opposition. And right at this moment, as soon as Jesus had that download into his spirit, something began to happen. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tested for 40 days by the devil. So the Holy Spirit, as soon as God has come in him, I tell you what, if God is on the inside of you, if you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you will gain attraction. Um, so he was there for 40 days and he was tested at every level by the devil. And then he returns after 40 days. His first public appearances were notable. It says in verse 14, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. You see when the change began to happen. No miracles. Nothing extraordinary. You know, he was the Son of God. No question about that. But when the Holy Spirit came down on the inside of him, he is anointed for service and something begins to happen. He is now ready to go. This is like his Pentecost experience, if you like. So why was this happening? 
Because the only way that we can deal with the kingdom of darkness and the spiritual forces in this world is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Jesus' first appearance in his own hometown of Nazareth. Jesus has returned in power of the Holy Spirit and the news is beginning to get around and he comes into his hometown into the synagogue there and he stands up and he reads from the prophet Isaiah which is a prophecy about his own very self. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the most remarkable thing, because now the fullness of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of Jesus. And he comes into the temple and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus just told him, told the people present what his divine job description was. And Jesus fulfilled that call wonderfully. But do you know what? This is the call that is on the church today. And you know, the problem is we have moved the Holy Spirit to the side. But now we need to bring the Holy Spirit back into our midst. We need another Pentecost. The significance of this, Jesus faced powers of darkness head on as a man, God inhabiting human flesh, anointed by his Father in heaven and was completely victorious. Jesus won the battle as a man. Of course, the last battle was the victory over death. You must realize if there is no Holy Spirit, there is no victory. There is no victory over death. There is no grace to overcome. And Jesus said, I have overcome the world. John chapter 16. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And then he begins to, to talk of how exactly we are going to do that. In John chapter 14 verse 15, Jesus said, I will pray the Father... And he will send you the comforter to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. This is great significance, much greater than you would think the first time that you read it. You know, I grew up in church and, uh, you know, I was confirmed in my denomination. And the Holy Spirit was meant to come upon you. And maybe there was a bit of a touch, I don't know. But I know that God can do far greater than that. And I really believe that as we approach this season of Pentecost, that something is going to happen. So he talked about Jesus' assignment, right? For this purpose 
was the Son of God made manifest. Our assignment is very similar. It's to finish what he started in every place. It's to disciple the nations. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, and Jesus came to them. These are the last words in in the book of Matthew. And Jesus came and spoke to him, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You have a job. I have a job. And it is to go into all the world and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe that I have commanded you. Now, this is incredible because Jesus is the Son of God. The fullness of God dwelled in him bodily. He walked the earth, ministered for three years, under the incredible power of the Holy Spirit and saw every conceivable miracle. Lepers healed, demons cast out, uh, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, and even the dead being raised. This is what he saw. And now he's saying, I want you to go and do the same. That is a tall order. That is a very tall order. Go make disciples of the nations teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. But at the end of this, he gives the key. And he says, and also I am with you even to the ends of the age. He was talking about the helper. He was talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. How can we possibly do what Jesus did? Well, you can't unless you receive a greater dimension of the Holy Spirit. We can have religious gatherings. We can have family forums. We can have Bible discussions. And we can even have Bible colleges. But that alone will not do. We must receive the Holy Spirit like Jesus did when he went down to the river to be baptised. We need the Holy Spirit to descend on us and fill us and, and we need, not just like I said before, a bit of a sprinkling, but we need a complete baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this about Jesus. This is how he did the works in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Even Jesus was unable to do the miraculous without the Holy Spirit there. Amen? So we need that anointing on our life. We need that download into our very being. We need, at this Pentecost, I am praying that something just opens up. You know, that something goes to a new level because the church that went into lockdown, that was the old normal. But the church of the living God is going to emerge and that is the church of the new normal. This is the church that is going to rise up and turn the nation around. This is the church that will see lives turned around. This is a church that will see sick people healed. This is a church that will see lives transformed. This is a church that will see the blind, uh, blind eyes see and the deaf hear. 
This is what's coming. The church of the living God will see regions turn around. I believe that God can do it. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For a minute I want to go to the Old Testament to Joel's prophecy which is really a promise to us now. It says, And it shall come to pass in the latter days, this is Joel chapter 2 verse 28, And it shall come to pass in the latter days that I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Now when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the upper room 2,000 years ago, they thought that this was the complete fulfilment of that scripture. They thought this was the latter days. This was the last days. But I believe that, you know, there are certain prophecies that are partially fulfilled along the way. And I believe this prophecy is going to be completely fulfilled in our day because we are living in the last generation, the last era. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not claiming to know. I'm not saying that Jesus is coming back. I'm not saying that. But we are coming to the end of an era and we are entering into a new era. And today we are living in the last days. And it came to pass in the latter days that I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Something is going to happen. So as we just come towards the end of this message now, I want to talk about, you know, 2,000 years ago, something dramatically changed the lives of 120 and 12 disciples in the upper room that changed the destiny of nations. That was the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Just over 100 years ago, uh, there was a group in uh, Los Angeles in a place called Bonnie Bray Street that believed that the account of the scripture, as in Acts chapter 2, was not just for, for them, but for every generation. Uh, I believe the men was uh, William Parham uh, and Charles Seymour. These were men uh, of different races, there were men and women that gathered together and prayed and fasted that God would do something. And do you know what happened? God poured out his spirit on that group, in that house. I've actually stood in that house in Bonnie Bray Street in Los Angeles. It's an amazing place to be where God opened the heavens and the baptism of the Holy Spirit was restored, restored to the truth. And, uh, you know... I heard the stories of how as they came out onto the porch and they began to preach the word that there were literally thousands, countless thousands, so many that they had to move the meetings or the revival to a place called Azusa Street, to a stable, a place a bit like this. And there the revival continued for years 
and the Pentecostal movement was born. And that is our roots. Uh, today, there is around about somewhere between 700 million people that have been touched by that move. It has become a very significant move of God on the earth. Wow, incredible. And today, all over the world, God is about to do something incredibly new. Who knows what it will look like? Here's a couple of things. During this season of Pentecost, you need to realise that the promise is for you. In Acts chapter 1.8, the Apostle Peter stood up and as he preached the word to those there, he said the promise is to you and to your children and to all generations and to a many who are far off. Do you know what? That speaks of me today and that speaks of you and it speaks of you and it speaks of your children. The promise is for you. In Acts chapter 1.8, it says, Jesus said this before he ascended into the heavens. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The word power comes from the word dunamis, which means dynamic. It is like dynamite. It is like the dunamis power that comes onto the inside that helps you to stand up and live the Christian life the way that God has called you to. And the promise is to you, to your children, to all generations and to many who are far off. Do you know what? No one is excluded from that. The gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. Number two... You need the faith to receive. They were in the, gathered in one place and in one accord in Acts chapter 2. If you, if you, you know, you need the faith to receive. It is how you position your life. You can position yourself and be self-sufficient. In other words, it's sort of like a sense of, hey, I've got all I need. Or you can position yourself and knowing that there is something more, you can begin to open your heart to a download from heaven. And this is what Pentecost is all about. It is about receiving another dimension of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis power that helps you to stand up and to live the Christian life the way that you are called to live. Number one. You need to realise that the promise is for you. And I'm speaking to every listener this morning. This incredible promise is for you. Number two, you need the faith to receive. And it's how you position yourself. It is how you approach God. You know, last week I spoke about Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It is all about the way that we relate to the Holy Spirit. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll rise up with wings as eagles. Number three, invite him in. Open the door of your life. I mentioned it before, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Open the door of your life. And you know, we always use this scripture in relationship to Jesus, but it says, hear what the Spirit is saying today. 
I want you to know this, that God has made you in a very special way. The Bible says, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not know? You were created in a certain way. You were created so that God would come and dwell in you. Do you know what? The Bible says that in Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. Well, God wants to come and dwell on the inside of you. Your body was created to be God's home. And what you need to do this morning is you need to, well, number four, I'll just go through those again before we finish. Is number one, you need to realize that the promise is for you. You need the faith to receive. And thirdly, you need to invite him in. Father, I just thank you for this incredible season that we are in. Lord, a most unusual Passover. The world in lockdown as a plague went over. And now, Lord God, we are approaching Pentecost with great expectation that you are about ready to do something new and dynamic in the church. Father, I thank you for our own nation. Lord God, that it is called uh, by many Christians and referred to as many Christians as the great south land of the Holy Spirit. Father, because in the bottom of our hearts, we believe that you are going to do something amazing here. Even prophets, uh, accurate prophetic voices have stood in this nation and around about this nation and declared over this nation that in the last days, a powerful move of your spirit would come from this region. Father, we just open our hearts to you and we know that you can do more. I pray, Lord God, Father, as we go further into this new season and as we cross over Pentecost, Lord God, that there would be an increase. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand your plans and purposes. Father, I thank you that you're going to raise up your church to another level. Lord God, not a religious church, but the church of the living God, the church that is empowered by your Holy Spirit, the church that is empowered to negotiate the destiny of nations. Oh God, we thank you. Your ways are higher than our ways. This morning, I wonder if you would like to invite the Lord Jesus into your life. I wonder if you would like to do that. Many of us that are watching this morning at some stage have seen our need for Jesus. Knowing that there must be a God, there's something out there. And knowing that his son is Jesus. All you need to do, I believe God is knocking on the door of your life this morning. And you know what you need to do is just open your life to him. If you'll pray after me, he will come in and he will live on the inside of you. Would you like to pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer asking for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross at Calvary that I might be forgiven and have eternal life 
in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I ask you right now to come into my life and be my personal saviour and Lord. I repent of my sins and will follow you all the days of my life. Because your word is truth, I confess with my mouth that I am born again and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I really want to thank you all for being with us this morning. What an incredible time to be alive. You know, I think back into the past and it was, you know, Daniel and Elijah and Joseph and these great men. But God has put you and I here for this time. He has a plan and he has a purpose. Get ready, open up your hearts because God is only just starting in our nation. If uh, you prayed that prayer or you're interested in connecting with our church, please go to our website, uh, citybuilderschurch.com and you'll be able to connect us uh, with us there. And if you're not from this region, we'll be able to help you connect with a church just like us so that you can grow in your faith. God bless you.